If you enjoy this podcast, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and visit our website at lifebetweenthevines.com. Really, our, our picking decisions is based on flavor and based on flavor on the vine at that time that day. So we very rarely will make a picking decision and say, we're going to, you know, this fruit's really good. We're going to pick it next Wednesday. It's always, this fruit's good. It's seven o'clock tomorrow morning. Discovering and tasting wine shouldn't be a homework assignment. And we believe that the people who are closest to wine have the best stories. So open a bottle. And welcome to podcast number 580. This week we feature Corey Hurd, winemaker at Summerston Estate and Priest Ranch in Napa Valley. Summerston Estate and Priest Ranch live in a magnificent area to the east of Napa Valley, comprising of over 1,600 acres. In addition to the property, they've opened the kitchen at Priest Ranch in downtown Yountville. Corey Hurd is winemaker for these two premier brands and was able to sit down to tell us a bit more about this incredible property. Winemakers always tell the best stories. You can also hear Corey on our Vino Lingo segment defining the phrase mountain fruit versus valley fruit. Back in Napa Valley, and I'm in a really cool part of the valley, uh, just uh, off of Sage Canyon Road, I'm here with Cody Hurt, and Cody is the winemaker here at Summerston Estate, as well as Priest Ranch. How you doing, Cody? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming, Ray. Thank you for having me up here. Just an extraordinary drive. For those who've been to Napa, Sage Canyon Road is, is fun unto itself because it's the forever snaky road, but past the lake it gets even snakier and crazier and more narrow, so it's a lot of fun. It's a popular road for Saturdays, uh, car shows, car clubs, motorcycle clubs, a lot of wrecks, unfortunately, but I hear them all weekend. I, I live over on the other side of the property up against Sage Canyon Road, so yeah. I, I hear these car clubs and stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's fun to watch them. You know, totally separate subject. I cut across the valley. We had a sign that said 10 car accidents this season so really? far. Is that Trinity? I don't might be Trinity. I think so. so. But I, it could be. It could be. But the point is, I've never seen a sign like that here before. I just wanted to go down that path, which has nothing to do with the interview. So it was just interesting to see the sign because, I mean, overall grade, here's how many accidents happened that's, out there. Yeah, that's a good warning, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be careful when you see a sign like that. Yeah. So the point of my going on about the drive up here is to come to the property, which is, is truly extraordinary. This whole valley opens up and... Uh, it's it's really wonderful. How many acres do you have here? Uh, the whole Summerston Estate is 1,682 acres. So we're we're about nine miles east of St. Helena. It's actually considered the the town of St. Helena, um, but nine miles up Sage Canyon Road. Um, so a lot of space out here. 1,682 acres. So we've got tons of different little microclimates, and we'll kind of get get to some of that and some of the other questions, I'm sure. But um, two awesome distinct valleys throughout the property. Um, we've got every slope and aspect that you can imagine, west facing, east facing, south, a um, couple of valley floor type vineyard blocks and all kinds of stuff. So it's a really diverse, cool property with many, many different microclimates being so large, 1,682 acres. How many acres are you farming? Currently, I would have to check back at my uh, software to see we're always pulling vineyards out and uh, kind of trying to prioritize what we, what we have out here and improve everything. So right now, I think we're about 220 acres planted. Right. That's still a lot of acreage. Yeah. It's nice to have that extra property. I don't know what, you know, how many options you get to add to that. I noticed there's a, now 
right in front of the tasting room, you have this whole gigundus replanting, but you also have an area that's open and bare, for lack of a better word. Yeah, some of that stuff that you maybe drove by was a, was a newer piece of the property, so that added like 60-something acres to the property. Um, those vineyards were good vineyards, so we made wine with them the, the first year, but again, those were vineyards that we kind of inherited from the person we bought it from. So we're always trying to improve, always trying to make every vineyard block exactly perfect, exactly the way that we want it. So we've since pulled that, you know, since buying that property, pulled out those vineyards and we're going to plant that next year. Well, and you were somewhat recently promoted to winemaker here for both Priest Ranch as well as Summerston. And that was when? Um, I, sometime last year, I'm <laughs> yeah. not really sure. Harvest been, just takes yeah, it all and it's, blows it's, it away. It's been a little while now. Um, I've been with the company for a long time. I started in June of 2010, so I was one of the first uh, employees with Summerston Priest Ranch, one of the founding employees, really. Uh, there's another one of us left, Melissa. She's in the tasting room. She's another, I think the only other, well, and Craig Becker, of course. He sure. helped found the company. Before this winery was built, Summerston was custom crushing down at a different winery that I happened to work for. And so I've been dealing with the wines actually since 2009, officially on this property since 2010. So one thing led to another. One thing led to another. Yeah, I met Craig and he kind of stole me away and I've <laughs> been here ever since. Craig's a good guy. Do me a favor, tell him I said hi because he was in Milwaukee yeah. some years ago and we did an interview at the studio. Oh, good. And uh, a lot of fun to talk to him. And yeah. I have not seen him in a while. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's been around. Well, let's talk about your personal wine history, uh, where you came into wine, how it found its way uh, <laughs> to wrap itself around you. How did yeah. that happen? Well, I, I got into wine back in Washington State. I'm originally from Washington State, the western side of the state, um, a little town called Belfair. So my ex-girlfriend's dad at the time, she owned a winery in a little town called Grapeview, which is a perfect how funny. town to <laughs> Have a, have a winery in. So I was kind of messing around in that winery for a while and really fell in love with winemaking and kind of the science behind winemaking. So um, I figured if I'm going to get serious about this, I better move to Napa. So I moved to Napa, actually sight unseen. I'd never been here before. I kind of really? drove through once when I was like 19 years old and uh, kind of missed it. I didn't really know where it was <laughs> and drove through. I wasn't of drinking age anyway. So um, yeah, moved here sight unseen. I started working first at Hall Wines in St. Helena, and that is actually where I met Craig Becker. That's where he was making some of his wine there. So um, got an internship there in 2009. They ended up hiring me full-time, which was great in the cellar, uh, and then moved over here to Summerston with Craig in, in 2010. I've been here ever since. So I just kind of worked my way up through the ranks. Cellar worker at first, um, up to cellar master, assistant winemaker, associate winemaker, and now winemaker. I love the chain. Uh, that's got to be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. You know, I was, it, being in a place. So one thing that is kind of cool about that winemaking journey is, and being here specifically at Summerston's, early on our winery was bigger than. Basically, we couldn't fill it up uh, with the Summerston wine, so we had a lot of different winemakers in here. We did what's called custom crush. So those wine brands that don't have their own winery. Uh, that need a space to make their wine, they can uh, make it at a place like Summerston. So we were custom crushing. So I was able to learn from, you know, 10 or 11 different winemakers over the years. And I think that kind of led me to where I am now, being able to pick up what we liked, what yeah. worked with our fruit, yeah. what maybe didn't work with our fruit. So 
it was a pretty good experience. Yeah, I call that a great experience because yeah. you're getting a taste of everything. And, and while you're all doing the same thing, maybe there are no secrets. Maybe there are some secrets. It's, you know, you just kind of get to have that talk with these guys. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Good, to, good to learn from those guys. It's very cool. So just for our listeners to understand, you have Summerston Estate and you have Priest Ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the difference? So Summerston is kind of the entire property as a whole, right? Um, th- this would be the Summerston Estate and um, Priest Ranch. So Summerston, we focus more on single block, single variety wines, single varietal wines. And with Priest Ranch, we get to play around a little bit with the blending from the property. So like I said, the property is large. We've got vineyard locations in totally different areas of the property. Some get really warm, some get you know hot, that really hot afternoon sun, some is cooler. Um, different soil types and things like that. So with the Priest Ranch label, it's really fun to be able to take little bits and pieces from each of these little microclimates around here. (laughs) Telephone. We are at a working winery, folks. That's okay. (laughs) So yeah, take little bits and pieces from, so maybe one portion of the property is like that block produces this fabulous wine in these certain ways and then, you know, but it's kind of lacking in this one little area. Mm. Well, we're, we're able to pick and choose from the property uh, and fill those little gaps in for the Priest Ranch labels. Let's talk about what you make, the varietals you make here. Yeah. So can we just walk through what you have here? Yeah, most of your typical Bordeaux varietals, uh, Cab Heavy, of course. Um, we do some Malbec, Cab Franc, Merlot. Um, we have, we just recently planted a Viognier. That's part of the vineyards out front that you were saying is replanted now. Mm-hmm. Um, some Zinfandel, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Grenache Blanc, which is kind of a rare varietal for this area. Very. So we've, we've made a Grenache Blanc for Priest Ranch for many years. We've recently pulled that vineyard out and replanted. So there's a little bit of a gap there in, in vintages, but we're hoping to get some for 2024 next mm-hmm. year. So hopefully we'll get that back. Um, what else? A little bit of Syrah. We do a Brut Rosé of Syrah, which is also, also kind of interesting. You know, not a lot of people are doing a Brut or sparkling wine with Syrah. So. Not with Syrah, no. Yeah, yeah. and it, it turns out great. It's, uh, we just released the 2019, so that's been aging on leaves for a while now. So it's really good. Um, what else? Merlot, I think I said that. Yeah, that's about it. Great. It's a nice selection. And, yeah. and Again, Summerson's definitely known for Cab, but but there's so many great wines out there. Mm-hmm. Um, in your experience as a winemaker, have you ever gotten some really crazy advice somebody came to you with and said, I think you should turn around three times and touch the ground and dance on? I mean, as far as winemaking as far style, as winemaking, winemaking, everybody yeah. has ideas. I would say one of the things that, and, and this is actually something that I've gotten many, many times, um, we could talk about these fires that have been kind of plaguing Napa for a little bit. 2017 and 2020, we lost all of our fruit and um, due to smoke damage. And, and one thing, anytime I tell people that the fruit was smoked, they say, well, what, couldn't you have made a smoky wine? That could be a big thing. And it's, you know, I've, I've heard that over and over again. And unfortunately, when you taste some of the fruit, some wines can really support it. Um, and there were a lot of people that got their, their fruit picked before fires and sure. things like that. So the vintage as a whole is not totally tainted. Um, here at Summerston, we weren't as fortunate, especially for 2020, um, the fires came kind of right through. So, yeah. so we had uh, a lot of wine or a lot of fruit that was, uh, smoke tainted and it's not as desirable as that smoked meat type of a flavor that you would 
you would get. So anyway, that's yeah, maybe that's the craziest winemaking advice is people talking about making that's smoked fair. wine. Yeah. I think it's a bit of an illusion, people thinking that you could pull a rabbit out of your hat. You <laughs> yeah. Know, I guess you can always try, but in the end, you have juice, you got to do something with it, and it could go all kinds of different directions from what I understand. And again, that's not an industry thing as a whole in the Napa Valley. There were a lot of great wines made in 2017 and 2020. Just yeah. Unfortunately, here at Summerston, we weren't able to use the use the fruit those vintages. I think it's a funny thing about vintages is you have the, the vintages that are labeled as these classics, but it, it's gonna vary between the wineries. It's gonna yeah. depend what the winemaker's looking at. Uh, I, I always cite 2011 as a great example. Mm-hmm. Many winemakers refer to that as a winemaker's vintage. Yeah. You had the rain, you had the crazy weather, yeah. But there were some really damn good. It's not a not a, a vintage you can discount. Right. So this this lunch that I'm getting ready to go to shortly is uh, one thing we're supposed to do is bring a bottle of wine that reminds us of the 2023 vintage, or bring a bottle of wine from a different vintage that reminds us of 2023. I was going to bring a 2011 because it's kind, there are kind of some similarities, right? A lot of rain, especially in 2023. There was a lot of rain late into the spring, which was awesome. We had really, really high vigor vines, really great growth, good canopy. Everything was, was great for the, <laughs> this vintage. Late bloom, uh, late verasion, late fruit set and all that. So really, it, we were about two weeks behind, which is very similar to 2011. Um, cooler all season. So our fruit was able to hang on the vines a little bit longer, which was great for tannin softening and things like that. So yeah, you're right. Every vintage is totally different and it can be different from winery to winery. And yeah, 2011, I'm glad you brought that up because it was kind of dogged in the beginning. It was. Um, and then a few years later, people were tasting those wines and were like, wow, this is really good. There was a little bit of acidity left in that, in that fruit and the tannins were soft and it was good. And that's what kind of what I'm seeing with 2023. I'm excited about this. That's a hint to, to listeners to, if you can still find an 11 somewhere, probably not, but you can always try or you can always get it from wineries library sometimes. Yeah. It's interesting talking about um, the vintage being later this year. I just talked to somebody in the rock pile, uh, AVA, and they were early this oh. year, which was kind of more interesting. But then again, mountain fruit being a different conversation altogether. Uh, how do you feel about 2023? I know it's just it's a baby you know it's it's just getting ready to go but uh yeah. you you have a feel for it i'm sure absolutely all, all of the wines that we've so we're pressing our last three tanks today pressing pressing a cab franc and a couple of different cabs from our cooler section of the property um, all of the stuff that we've brought in this year again being that longer growing season longer than typical uh, for for our property anyway mm. um it it allowed the fruit to hang on the vines for for plenty of time to kind of let the tannins resolve themselves. That's something that is our biggest focus here at Summerston, being that we are up in the mountains. Our elevation is 800 from right here at the winery up to we have fruit at 1,650 feet. So we're kind of this mountain fruit. And when you have this mountain fruit, you get really small berries, um, which can be pretty tannic, pretty intense, yeah. right? So we're always, not I wouldn't say battling, but we're working hard to make sure the tannins are nice and soft. So in a vintage like this, that's cooler, longer growing season, it really gives those tannins time to resolve on the vine. So it makes our winemaking a little bit easier. So the, the vintage as a whole, I think is gonna be, ni- or I, I would say very rich, um, soft, tannins we're it, it, it's going to be good we're yet to see but <laughs> sure well it's it, you can't as i always say you can't have a crystal ball well winemakers vary in what they look at when they call for the pick 
some are exclusively looking at the bricks, some are going by feel. Uh, where do you fall in that territory? Um, totally taste. So we kind of use chemistry as a guideline. We'll, we'll run the, you know, TA, the acid, um, pH, bricks, things like that. But those are really just guidelines. You know, once we get close, that means we really start, need to start getting out there every single day. So I'm on a quad every day going to every single vineyard. Well, every single vineyard block that's approaching ripeness. Mm -hmm. So on a property like this, that takes yeah. all day, every yeah. day right. during harvest. So uh, really our, our picking decisions is based on flavor and based on flavor on the vine at that time that day. So we very rarely um, will make a picking decision and say, we're going to, you know, this fruit's really good. We're going to pick it next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It's always, this fruit's good. It's seven o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah. And, and that whole idea, you, you give up your life for harvest, although that is your life really. Uh, it's a give, fun life. It is. A, yeah. <laughs> it's a darn fun life. It's hard work, but it's that also that immediacy. Um, you really don't get to plan too much outside of what's happening in the vineyard because you're glued to it here, especially as a winemaker. For the most part, I shut down. And I've, I've been doing it you know, for a long time now, so I just basically shut down for three months. I don't make any plans. I kind of tell everyone I'm busy. <laughs> no, no vacations, obviously. It's you know six or seven days a week for at least three months every yeah. harvest. Yeah, but it's your passion. It's, it's what fun. you do. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, tasting tanks every day, tasting all the fruit every day. Sure, it's a lot of fun. I could say I'm obvious, but that's too much work for me. <laughs> yeah. My favorite question to ask winemakers: You do interviews, you do media, you talk to all kinds of people in the tasting room and outside the tasting room. What's the one question you've never been asked that you would like to be asked? Huh, that is a good question. Um. What about, what do I like to do personally on my, on my time off? What, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> great question. <laughs> I just came up yeah. with it. Um, you know, out, out personally, obviously, I like to be out drinking wine and things like that. Um, I'm, I've always been into kind of action sports my whole life, so wakeboarding is something I've been really into. Snowboarding is something I've been into, although less frequently now, and I'm getting a little nervous as I get older because I'm watching people tear their Achilles tendon right off their heel and <laughs> stuff like that. So I'm kind of backing off about that a little bit. I like to ride dirt bikes. I just recently bought a new dirt bike after taking a little break for a few years from that. So well, nothing bad happens with those. No, 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 no problem. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I like to do on the on that fun time off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to have fun doing that. And uh, yeah, just as a quick aside in your comment, when we're young, we're rubber. That's exactly right. And when we get older, things start, you start oh, feeling, me, feeling it's things. It's worse. It's going <laughs> to yeah, get a lot worse. Does, yeah. Walking becomes a challenge. You learn to fall down a lot. <laughs> so we're here at the Summerston Estate tasting room. Is there a separate Priest Ranch tasting room? or? There is, yeah. We do. Uh, so up here at the estate, we focus only on Summerston, and this is all by appointment only. Um, and we've got a really, really awesome person that leads the, all the tours up here, Anna Marie. She does a great job. Um, very private, very intimate. Up here at Summerston, you get a tour on our Polaris side-by-side -side nice. ATVs. So we take the tours around and show them a good portion of the property and the vineyards, not everything, because it's a huge property. But, um, and then get them back here and, and, you know, some cheese and whatever, and some wine. And we've got another tasting room for Priest Ranch. That's at 6490 Washington Street in Yontville. Um, where I just was, which is 
a great little tasting room. Uh, we actually just recently opened up a, the kitchen at Priest Ranch. Yeah, I read about that. Restaurant right next door. Um, so you can get our wines there also. Uh, great food, great breakfast items, great lunch stuff, really casual counter service. Just walk up and order your stuff and go sit on the rooftop terrace and enjoy your lunch. And that's right in Yonville. That's in Yonville, right nice. next to the tasting room. One of the coolest tastings, I think, uh, around the valley is our Priest Ranch bacon experience. So that happens in Yonville at our Priest Ranch tasting room. So we've got four different bacons that our chef, Dan Solomon, uh, whips up and, and pairs it with one of our wines. And I'm not sure if you've done that experience. I've not, no. That's a lot of fun. I'll have to do that. Everybody loves bacon and some of those, Who doesn't? some of those bacons pair so perfectly with the wines, you know, the, again, we talk about tannins and that fat kind of cutting the tannins yeah. and things like that. It's, it's perfect. So yeah. It's a fun experience. Definitely a place to check out. Well, for our listeners who'd like to make an appointment or learn about Priest Ranch as well as Summerston Estate online, what is your website? You can check out priestranchwines.com or summerstonestate.com. Excellent. Cody, this is a real pleasure seeing you again, and thank you for inviting me up here to the winery. You too. I'm glad you could make it. Thanks. I'm glad you could make it. <laughs> yeah. Learn more at summerstonestate.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast at lifebetweenthevines.com or sign up to our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Life Between the Vines comes to you from Fifth Floor Recording Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Produced and edited by Ray Fister. Our host is Kay Pascoff. Our web geek is Dan Gisha. Original music by Ray Fister. Copyright 2024.